Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off the Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noten's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Savage in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets is Norris. I cannot believe he's done that. Good tip, good. Good for the hall. Good goes in. Australia win. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Off the Blocks Swimming Podcast. My name is Robbie Cox, and I'm your host. Uh, very, very thankful to be joined this morning by former world champion, former world record holder, and former part of the Off the Block Swimming Podcast. If anyone wants to think back to 2021 Tokyo Olympics, Mr. Bobby Hurley. Bobby, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Robbie. Uh, giving you a call this morning from Singapore. And uh, heading off to Fukuoka tonight, actually, to, to commentate on the world champs. So looking forward to going through this preview with you. Yeah, no, mate, I was excited to do it. And we've sort of played a bit of back and forth trying to tee it up because obviously with time zones and different things and you've been getting around too. Mate, you're a jet setter. You're a jet setter. You get around. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel, well, everyone obviously hasn't travelled a whole lot uh, the last couple of years with COVID, but yeah. uh, just just spent the last two weeks in St. Petersburg in Russia with my wife and her family. So that was a really enjoyable time. And then just flew back to Singapore just to repack my bags and gather everything up and, and off to Fukuoka tonight, which, uh, which will be exciting. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely fun traveling again. Yeah, you're on the move. Um, I've got to ask, how, how was Russia? Obviously, everyone in their cars or at home listening, here's you go, oh, we went over to Russia for a bit and goes, oh, Oh, how, how was yeah. it? Obviously, you're over there meeting family, so it's not like you're, you know, um, in any danger zones or going having um, secret meetings with Putin. But how was it over there from from an Australian who obviously would have no idea what's going on? You were over there. Um, what what was it like? Was it just fairly business as usual, or? Yeah, like we had we had our concerns as well, but um, you know we haven't been over. My wife hasn't been over for five years to see her family and, and we've had two kids in that time as well. So it was a, a important for us to head over and this was a, as good as time as, as any because last year we wanted to do it around this time and, and obviously that, that couldn't happen. But inside Russia, it's, uh, as you said, business as usual. Um, everything completely normal. And it was my first time in St. Petersburg in the summer, so it's really a, 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 beautiful, uh, a beautiful city with a lot of history and uh, the rivers and the bridges and everything there that make it so famous. But the only thing is that um, there's no tourists there. Like basically I was the only uh, foreigner there and, and yeah. people could that uh, when you speak English, like, you know, you get a lot of looks and people's <laughs> up 
and um, and you can't spend any money. So none of my credit cards or bank cards worked um, because uh, the SWIFT um, payment system's been cancelled. So there's a few little things like that that interrupt the trip a little bit, but um, obviously I'm there with my wife's family, so I was, I was pretty well taken care of. Yeah, no, good to hear, mate. I, w- I did fear for you a little bit when I knew you were going, but I th- when I heard you're back, I thought, oh, good, good, Bobby's he's back. <laughs> he's back, he's good, he's safe, he's good as gold. Um, now, from the last time we had you on the podcast and, 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 you know, I still get compliments over the work you and I did through Tokyo Olympics when we would preview events and not so much on our bold predictions because not many of those came not many of those came off we we're pre- pretty shocking with those but in terms of the previews reviews we'd always quickly catch up after it and again keeping in mind a lot of the time we were stuck in our houses so we, we didn't have an awful lot of other things to do as well um, but we haven't done it for uh, yeah for a couple of years you and I always catch up we'll see each other on pool deck and we always sort of bounce around ideas of what we're going to do and, and oh, let's to get this done and let's get that done. So we haven't been on here together for two years, mate. For the listeners, um, obviously you've had a bit of a change of scenery, coaching-wise, family-wise, you moved over to Singapore. Give us a quick little insight into, into that and how's it all going over there. You just gave me off-air a great little tour, which obviously the people aren't going to get to see, but, um, but the facility, mate, looks awesome. Yeah, last uh, uh, well, about this time last year, I got a, a really good offer to to come over to Singapore and be the director of swimming at Tanglin Trust School, which is um, a, a British international school and rated uh, the best international school in the world, actually. So the offer was really good from a uh, from a family point of view, and uh, as we mentioned, my my wife's Russian, and we and uh, we come from a background of of traveling and whatnot, um, which we wanted to do. So being in Singapore um was it was a lot easier way to, to get around to the world get around um different parts of southeast asia and be able to get off to europe or or back to australia fairly easily and um and the kids get to go to school as well so uh my daughter lilia she's she's four and a half now and she's just completed her first year at the school so from a family point of view it was um a really good uh opportunity to to do the things that we love and um from a coaching point of view uh, we've got a, a great new facility here. So a seven-lane, 50-metre pool that's on level five of, of a brand-new building. So just incredible, um, best of the best facilities. So I can, uh, from from that point of view, I feel like I can run the program that I want to run. Yeah. Um, a bunch of Australians that, that go to the school as well. Um, so I did take seven girls to Australian Nationals, uh, age nationals back in April. Um, and that's something that I want to grow that team and, and be coming back uh, with a team of swimmers that's that's able to compete at a at a higher level um, at age group nationals there as well. So I feel like I can get uh, get a lot of satisfaction from from different areas of my life, um, and obviously commentating at the World Championships as well. They're very supportive of me doing that, and um, you know for for me that that keeps me in touch with the higher level swimming. You know with mm-hmm. that elite fast level swimming, which is which I'm passionate about and which, you know, we'll see us talking about that for the next hour or so. But um, that keeps me, um, I think, uh, feel valued at that level mm. and then uh, come back down to the grassroots and, and get stuck into the coaching. Well, mate, congratulations, obviously, with the move. And, and I know, you know, as coaches, there's always opportunities and things that come up for for different reasons at different times and there's always things like oh should we shouldn't we and what i love about you know you as you you sort of um 
take leaps of faith and go, you know, no, let's let's do this, which a lot of people don't do. So for always admired that about you, mate, and, and great to see that you're over there and you're loving it. Um, you touched on the commentary. Um, again, last time we spoke, um, this was about the level of commentary that, you, that you'd done, I think, at that point. You did. Well, had you done the World Champs just before it, maybe? I think you just started, uh, did, maybe. Yeah, I did Worlds, Short Course Worlds in 2018 in China. That was yep. my first and long course in uh, Guangzhou, Korea, 2019. Yes. Then every, everything shut down. And then down. that was break time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the next one I did was uh, Short Course Worlds end of 2021 in, in Abu Dhabi. And obviously that was coming off the back of, of Tokyo Olympics. But there was about two and a half years where I felt like I hadn't commentated before. And yeah. uh, it was just this huge gap, and, and obviously that's when when we we're talking through through Tokyo and whatnot. But since that, there's just been um, so many world championships. So we had Budapest last year, long course. Uh, Melbourne last December was uh, was a lot of fun. That was that was a great meet with a great atmosphere. And then uh, and then Fukuoka now. So this is going to be number six for me in, in Fukuoka with uh, with World Aquatics now, as it's known. Mm. And um, I think that's a that's uh, more more world championships than I've swam and coached at now. So um, I, I think uh, hopefully this career is uh, just kicking off for me. Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest compliments you can get paid uh, for your commentary, Bobby, is that uh, for anyone who, who sort of doesn't know, you guys are generally the 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 go-to feed, right? So if anyone doesn't have their, their home feeds to go to or whatever, you guys are the general feed. Am, am I sort of correct in terms of maybe English-speaking countries or obviously you wouldn't be the general feed to, to China because I don't know how many people, are, the Chinese people yeah. are uh, listening to that. Um, but one of the biggest compliments I think you can get paid, Bobby, is I hear so many people say that they would prefer at times, no offence to the other commentators, to be listening to that feed and that commentary. So, um, and that's, that's from me as well. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, we've been mates now for a few years and had the relationship through the podcast. And um, I've seen your commentary start to get better and better and grow and grow. And um, I think the, the commentary you did on Mealex world record was, I think that went viral. Do they say viral? <laughs> Would you say it went viral? But people were loving it. So, yeah. you know, how much more confident have you got over the years with your commentary? And and what, what do you love most about it? Is it just generally being a fan and getting to basically people are listening to what you'd be saying anyway if you were sitting up in the stand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, I think from my point of view, I can relate watching swimming, which I'm obviously passionate about and I, and I love and I, I get on the edge of my seat and I get excited. Um, if I wasn't commentating, I'd be watching most of the live stream from start to finish anyway. So I feel super privileged and lucky to, um, you know, to be able to get flown over there and, uh, and spend a week at the World Championships and literally just sit in a chair with a headset on and talk about what's happening in front of me. Um, I find that really easy to do. Um, and I, I think my commentary has been getting better and better um, as the more experience you get. But what makes it good is I've, I've got a really good relationship with Mike McCann, um, who's the race caller. That he's mm -hmm. been doing it with, uh, with FINA and Water Aquatics for the last 20 years or so, and he's just an ultimate professional. Um, he's not from a swimming background or from a swimming fan perspective, but his race calling, uh, the amount of study that he puts into it, to deliver those big moments is um, is what what really matters. But you know, when I'm talking, I think I can relate to swimming from 
not only from a fan's point of view, but from a swimmer, obviously having experience as an ex-swimmer and, and a high-level swimmer, yeah. um, from a coach, having coached um, swimmers at that level as well, and then um, now as, as a media pers- personality as well to actually the main thing is the timing to deliver those slow motion replays or those highlights. And um, I, I'm trying to work on getting a little bit more uh, expressive voice, I think, um, trying to trying to work those highs and lows a little bit more, uh, channel my inner rowdy gains. <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, what, what I'm, the information that I'm delivering is, is, uh, is good. So uh, I know coaches and swimmers really like it. I try not to get too caught up on numbers and stats, but that's just who I am. I'm not sure if grandma and grandpa or the average <laughs> Joe can relate to some of the some of the stuff that I'm saying. But yeah. again, in, in swimming these days, they're probably not the people that are making up the eyes watching the TV. It's it's probably people that are already invested into swimming and have an idea of what they're watching. Yeah. Now, mate, I think, um, and I'll, I'll move on, stop, you know, pumping up your tyres in a moment, but um, I think the thing that I, I enjoy most is you guys both call what you see. So my pet hate, my pet hate, and if anyone listened to the trials, Aussie trials, you would have heard this, was commentators where you already know what they think is about to happen or would like to happen, and then it doesn't happen, and then there's a there's a hint of like almost disappointment in their voice as they yeah. say but so and so wins and you're like well hang on a second i can tell you thought that other girl was going to win that race so you got all excited because they're still oh she could come back well hang on a second hang on this is trials we love all the swimmers here in australia so why we anyway don't get me started but with you guys i yeah. know you're calling what you're seeing so you're genuinely excited yeah. because yeah, this is going to be a close race. You, you've not got a, a, a dog in the fight, as they say, or dog in the hunt. You, you're just sort of calling what you see, which I think all commentators really should do. It's, I think in the job description is you call what you see. And, yeah. and for, for you, as a lover of the sport, you get super excited. And you know, to your point, I think the last uh, time you were on the headset was you were definitely starting to get out of your comfort zone and get a bit excited. You were up in, out of your seat, mate, and you were jumping around. Yeah, the, rule number one is you call what's on the screen. Uh, yeah. So you can be live at the pool and you're seeing all this this different stuff happen and you, you're feeling the energy and you're seeing the crowd and the other athletes, but you can only talk about what's actually coming across on the TV screen because that's what everybody at home is is uh, is watching. So I find it hard like, you know, Ledecky races 800 and 1500 where they essentially just show her for 15 minutes. Yeah. You, you have to talk about it. We're obviously neutral commentators. We're not Australian commentators, so you just have to find content to talk about her and her stroke and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, trials. Yeah, I think um, Matt Wells did a really good job. Is is a is a great speaker, but you know there were a few other inexperienced people around him. And yeah, the more that yeah, I was um, talking more play by play, just for anyone. If Matt Welsh does yeah. listen to this, it was more. Uh, it, they could be good mates, but play by play was more my. Um, yeah, like my gripe. That, that's really that's a really hard job to do. I'd like to try and do that a little bit more um, in Australia, but you know, being professional, you've got to deliver those those big moments, um, and you know, you can't count your chickens before they hatch either. But yeah. the more that swimming is streamed and on TV and is clips on Instagram and podcasts and reels and everything happening, uh, you don't get a do over on these things. You know, yeah. you don't. 
get a second go at a, at a live call or at, at a close finish or a, you know a big world record moment or something. So you got to you just got to those key moments, which is um, harder than it seems. Nah, well, as I said, mate, you guys are killing it, and um, all the best. Uh, you head out tomorrow, and and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. We're about to touch base on on what um, an exciting world champs it's going to be and i think for a lot of people i I don't know for myself as well mate the the most exciting part about it is we're a year away from olympics as well so you also know we're about to touch on it again in a minute that there's some of the megastars that aren't even at this world champ so it's already super exciting there's there's definitely stars still in there don't i'm not trying to you know downplay them but there's stars to come back we're 12 months away it's very exciting. So you're definitely going to be um, in your element over there. I can already see you got that glimmer in your eye, mate. You're ready to go. Um, before we get onto the pool stuff, I just wanted to congratulate Chelsea Gubeka on a silver medal over there in Fukuoka for for uh, the ten kilometres and all the swimmers out there. Whether you're a distance swimmer, you're a, you're a sprinter, a middle distance swimmer. Uh, I think Chelsea is is a fantastic role model in terms of longevity in our sport. And she honestly has, you know, this is not in a disrespectful way. She's been around for a long time. She's still getting in there, doing her doing her kilometres, doing her work. Obviously, it's paying off for her. She, she looks super happy, which, you know, um, you would be, especially, I think, at at this stage in her career to still be pulling off those sort of performances. So uh, from us here on Off The Blocks, mate, congratulations, Chelsea. We've had her on before. She's a lovely girl and um, very, very happy to see her killing it, killing it. And as I said, showing everyone and showing my dad, anyone listens to the podcast knows I hammer my dad on this. You don't have to be 15 and a superstar. And then if you're not, then you have to give up swimming, right? You just don't, (laughs) right? You just don't. And we're going to get yeah. into that with the 50 freestyle too, mate. Look at some of the old boys going in the 50 freestyle at the World Champs. Look at yeah. Anyway, don't get me started. Dad, well, and he Chelsea, never listens to the podcast. I think Chelsea was a 15-year-old superstar and she's always like like the long-distance stuff. And I remember like eight, ten years ago when I, when I was uh, swimming and, and making teams, she was coming through as a 14, 15-year-old. Like yeah. feels like she's been on the team forever. She's only 24. I, I saw that. On her Instagram, she posted uh, her sixth time at the World Champs and her first medal. So, um, you know, even at a young age for her, but there is longevity there. There is a lot of persistence and and she's rewarded with a silver medal in the Olympic event, the 10K, and she gets automatic qualification for Paris next year. So, kicks off the uh, the Dolphins medal tally and uh, books her spot on another Olympic team. So... You know, it doesn't get a whole lot better for her. And uh, big, big congratulations to Chelsea and her coach. Yeah, yeah, congratulations to all the team that, yeah, around. And that's something sometimes, mate, that gets lost. And you've been there, you've done it. So you would understand there's a lot of um, factors and teams that go into those performances, right? Your coaches, your parents, your friends, your training partners, whoever it else is that help push you along. So congratulations to Chelsea's team. Um, mate, before we get into the events at the World Champs, I wanted to just touch base on you at some of the big names that obviously are are not going to be competing for one reason or another. They didn't qualify. They didn't even put themselves to be eligible to qualify. Um, we've got obviously Chad LeClough, Caleb Dressel, Milak, Adam Peaty. Um, the Campbell sisters are slowly on their way back. Um, you know, they've got a, an, an idea of where they want to get to, but this obviously wasn't on their path but still you know if you look back in the history of the last yeah. 10 years it's not often you're missing some of those names although in saying that around this sort of time 
one year out with the world champs. And I think we've got another one next year, don't we? Early next year, world champs. So you're probably going to see a little bit of this gamesmanship happening where people might not be ready in their preparation. Um, for yourself, uh, for, as an onlooker, what do you see when you see these names pulling out? And obviously I've, I've not named everyone. There's probably a few others. In saying that, as I said to many, many megastars still racing, so I'm not by any means saying the big stars just aren't going, but there's some gamesmanship and, and sort of things at play here where people are like, no, I just it's not in my preparation really. I'm not ready to go. Yeah, well, when you're at the level of those swimmers that you just mentioned, they're all essential Olympic champions, individual Olympic champions. So except for Milak, who's – that was the surprise. Nobody saw that coming, uh, you know, mental health reasons and, and burnout. And he had a big year last year and he's a star in, in many events. Like we're, we're sort of in that peak Milak career. So that was the surprise. I think he's about – 22 23 already olympic champion world record holder how he bounces back from this is is going to be super important obviously for his results next year and, and what sort of legacy he can leave in the sport whereas chad and dressel and the campbell sisters they've they're they're well and truly at, at the back end of their career they've, they've left their legacy in um in this short three-year olympic cycle they're just trying to do whatever it takes to get to paris mentally and physically fresh and ready to go so, um, you know, I chatted to Chad a little bit last week and um, he just said off the back of nationals in South Africa in April, he just missed a, a, bunch, of, uh, a bunch of time with sickness and travel and um, having a bug that he couldn't really get rid of. And that's always the risk when he lives and trains in Germany now and flies back to South Africa so often um, that, that there's sickness and uh, travel time and whatnot that you're going to miss from training. So he's going to do a few things to try and, have a better prep next year, which which obviously he needs. And, um, you know, Dressel, I think it was courageous for him to swim at US Trials a couple of weeks ago. Not um, obviously anything fast or not good enough to, to make the team, but um, for his own probably mental health to get up on the blocks and not have the pressure of winning or, or making teams and just get out there and swim because he loves it and he wants to was, uh, was good to see. But, um, you know, boy, he's got a lot of work to do in the next 12 months. Um, not only to, you know, he's he's basically two seconds over his PB in, in a 100-meter race. Um, like that's obviously when your PB is the world record. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty damn fast. But to see a guy like that go 49 point for 100 free and 51 for 100 fly, that that is uh, you're looking at five or six meters behind his best ever swim. So he's got a lot of work to do, but no doubt he wants to do it and he's in the program to actually be able to get it done. But also in those events, especially the hunter freestyle, the rest of the world aren't going to wait for him. You know, Popovich has broken the world record. Charles seems like he's happy and healthy um, on, under a good prep. And, and you've got the Chinese swimmers and, uh, and the Frenchman, Grusso, who's primed for a, a big home Olympics as well. So there are plenty. There's, there's always names that, that aren't going to be there. Um, but, geez, like when, when, when we get into this, the, the, the people that are racing in Fukuoka, you know, the women's backstrokes, Salma McIntosh and everything, Titmus Ledecky going at it again, you know, Leon Marchand, I think he's going to be a star and uh, all the men's freestyle races. Like, I, I, I can't wait. Soon as soon as the swimming kicks off in Fukuoka, we won't be thinking about the people that aren't there. I can yeah. guarantee that. Yeah. No, 100%, mate, 100%. Um, just quickly with your commentary, do you just get naturally excited? Do you have to have, to have coffee 
just to get you ready? Do you have energy drinks? What do you do? You have to keep it down because you're already getting up with waters. What, what's your <laughs> what are your what's your hydration system look like? <laughs> it was, it's a lot of coffee, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> like any swimming coach, but um, definitely for finals, I get I get pretty excited. Um, you know, for for the fifties, I generally stand up and and uh, I mean it's I, when that, when actually diving and race. Um, I don't commentate during the race, and the fifty mic does does the whole thing because it's mm. you know it's actually twenty five seconds. Yeah, uh, and then I got to get that that uh, that winning moment and, and the replay. Um, and for the other events, I might stand up and sit down, but it's it's genuine real excitement. So even just talking about those races that I said, like I'm genuinely from a from a fan's perspective, just excited to see like some of McIntosh, Titmus, mm. Ledecky. Like I I can't. I can't split them um, any which way. So, you know, it's, uh, it is it is a lot of coffee to get through the, the five-hour <laughs> sessions and three-hour finals. Like, you're on air for eight hours a day for eight days in a row. Mm. Um, but, it, but it's well worth it. I love it. All right. Well, let's get stuck into it. And for the listeners out there, obviously, we're not going to go through every single event and every single, you know, challenger. We're going to try and touch on the highlights and the ones that people probably, uh, similar to us, that are swimming fans out there that have already, you know, got, you know, noted in their diaries and books of these uh, head-to-head um, challenges coming up, which, you know, we touched on, Bobby, um, two years ago now with the Olympics, but it's great to see swimming now where there are so many, you know, big you know, sort of head-to-head competition, uh, you know, races with, it's not just one, as we said, it's not Ledecky out on her own, unless maybe it's the 1500, in which case it was probably might still be. Um, but, you know, if you're looking ahead, which I keep doing, I think these finals are even going to be more stacked than probably they are at world champs as well. So it's exciting times. Let's get to it. Uh, start with, let's go the men's hundred free. So obviously no dressel as we just sort of touched on, but Popovich is world record holder. Chalmers is in there and you know that if it's a race, he, he's in the race, right? He, he's very rarely out of that, that picture at the end when, as you just said, you've got to look at the replay and he, his hand and fingers are always in that replay as well. Outside of those two, what else are you seeing um, and, and what most are you looking forward to? Is it those two? Is there a smoky on the outside? Are you looking forward to seeing Popovici um, take his swimming, you know, maybe to the next level or at least stay consistent at that level? He's had a, a, a great rise, right? He came through. We all could see him coming through. He got there and so well done to him and his team and, and he's, he, he got to that top of the mountain. Um, now I guess the key to his longevity and success is – trying to stay at the top of the mountain, which, as you know, mate, is not that easy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is going to be an insane race. I, I can't wait. Um, I mean, I've, I've always been a big fan of Kyle. Uh, you know, obviously he won in, in Rio as an 18-year-old, but he's just he's just such a good racer. And then what he did in Melbourne at Shockless Wells last year was, was incredible, you know, anchoring a couple of men's relays to, to a gold medal from literally swimming out of nowhere. Uh, he's world record holder in the short course 100. He, he won that world title as well. So he keeps talking about his legacy and things that he wants to achieve. And what he hasn't got is is a long course gold in this 100 freestyle at, at the world championship level. He, um, Dressel touched him out in 2019 in Guangzhou. Uh, Dressel touched him out in Tokyo as well, where they weren't side by side. Um, I think Kyle knows he needs to be in the middle of the pool in this yeah. final. He's up against 
two 18-year-olds, Popovich, you know, the Romanian world record holder, and and Pan from China, uh, which the Chinese men's team have got some really fast times on the board in multiple events um, from their trials uh, back in April. But they do have Asian Games in September, so we don't know if they're fully prepared. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that they're not fully prepared for this Worlds, um, and this will be a leading lead meet for the Asian Games. So I'm not expecting a lot of these Chinese swimmers to go quicker than they did back in April. Um, whereas Carl's been a lot of 47 mids in the last 12 months. Um, and I think he's ready to take that step. And uh, I read somewhere that he's never raced Popovich head to head. So no doubt he'll be, he'll be looking forward to that battle. And um, in Budapest last year, you know, when we just saw this incredible rise of, of Popovich and he's just an amazing swimmer that's not, not your normal sprinters build and and uh and he swims the 200 and he dominated that 200 in budapest and he was hot favorite in the 100 and dressel with pulled out and everyone was saying could he get the world record um and it was in between uh maxine grousseau from france and uh leando edwards who both go out fast so they sort of sandwiched him on that first 50 and he was caught in between two big boys with big waves and his, and his, his skinny kid and he got he came away with the win by a couple of hundredths over Grousseau, you know, 47-5, which isn't anything that we've seen from Dressel and Chalmers in the past. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm waiting to see him dominate. I, I guess no one's going to dominate 100 free, but really dominate a, a big-time 100 free final up against Dressel or Chalmers. Uh, you know, if he goes out in Fukuoka and goes 46-6 or something next to Carl and beats Carl by half a second, that'll be absolutely incredible like i think he'll dominate the 200 but he just doesn't have the front end speed to go out with some of these guys so if carl can put the pressure on uh not many people swim over the top of carl Chalmers at the end of 100 freestyle i, I know that so mm. uh, i'm tipping kyle i'm cheering for kyle uh i think that final comes on day five or day six so there's plenty of swimming to come before that but um that's that's going to be an awesome battle well, and that was going to be my next question to time-wise. Do we see a shift in the time here, do you think, or one year out from the Olympics, do you think it's going to be just kind of get the job done? It might be a 47-1, 47-2 and just sort of get the job done, or do you think it's going to take something where we're rattling a world record here to be the winner? Well, 47-1's pretty quick if you ask me. Oh, no, I'm not saying, okay, listen. Yeah. You know, 47-1's my 50 PB, yeah. all right? So I understand I understand it's fast. But you know what I'm saying? Like, are we, I, I'm, I'm, there's many times where sometimes, and you see it a lot in the in the Olympics, I guess, where just getting the, you just race, right? And you just touch the wall and you might have been 0.5 off the world record or, you know, a little bit off, but it was all about just getting the job done. I guess that's more my yeah. point. We've got the world record holder in it. Um, is it going to take Chalmers, I guess, knocking off a world record or being on it to, to get the job done here? Or is it, as I said, preparation-wise, Is are we probably looking at that Kyle being on his PB or 47-1, 47-2? Yeah. Um, it, it might, it might. Um, I think looking at it from that point of view, like Popovich won it with 47-5 last year, which was slower than he went in the semis. Yeah. Mm. Um, he, a guy like him who doesn't have the front end speed and he's a skinny guy, I don't think, you know, he broke that world record um, at Euros in, in, in Rome, outdoor pool, uh, 
uh, where you know essentially had the race wrapped up before it before it started, so it could dive in, um, not be in in much uh, waves, and, and get out clear through the first fifty. So I don't think uh, I, I could be proven wrong. This might be a, a famous bold prediction that just goes uh, pear shaped, but I don't think a guy like that can dominate a hundred free final and smash a world record when you're next to Chalmers and Leando and Grusso. Um, I think Kyle needs that big moment. Kyle needs the world final, Olympic final. He's not a guy that's going to break a world record at trials or um, in a semi or something. Like Kyle needs everything on the line and, and you know he'll deliver. So it's different. It's, you know, it's, it's horses for courses. Um, I think this year there's already been 18 guys go under 48 seconds. So going 47 highs, not what it was, you know, 10, 11 years ago when uh, when when Magnuson was doing it and and uh, Nathan Adrian, everybody came through where essentially 47 high could get you on a podium. Like you're probably going to have to go 47.7, 47.8 to make the final. Yeah. Uh, so I do expect a winning time of, of 47 low um, or better. Um, and there's a lot of guys that are ready to step up. I, I think without Dressel in a number of events, who's essentially dominated the sprint free and fly, there's a lot of guys that can smell like this is my chance to be world champion. This is my chance to get on a podium. It's a year out from Olympics. Like there's a lot of upside for guys to uh, to have their breakout swim at the international level. Um, you mentioned it a couple of times, and I, I guess we can touch on the 200, the men's 200, before we move on. I've got the women's 100 free next in my my line, but the men's 200. You mentioned a couple of times you think that's sort of Popovich's main wheelhouse where he, he should be a little bit more dominant. Um, is that how you're going to you see it going into um, Fukuoka, or are there, are there a couple of sort of challenges there for for him? No, I, I think he's essentially untouchable in that 200 like just the way he swam in budapest last year and seeing that uh you know up up close 143 low uh just dominating that final because because unlike the 100 he's, he's got obviously the front end speed in the 200 to get out in 50 point low or, or 49 um with the leaders and be doing that you know if he turns in 49 eight that's pb plus three like that's a walk in a park it, it's just crazy to think um so, you know, I think he ticks all the boxes in the 200. He went 142.9, I think it was, at Euro Champs, which is um, a textile world record. So, like, you know, if anybody can ever touch that 142 flat world record from Peterman in a suit, it's going to be this kid. Um, there's a lot of good swimmers again now, you know, uh, Sun Wu from Korea's double short course world champ, Tom Dean's the Olympic champ. They're on the podium last year. Similar to a lot of guys going 47s now, there's a lot of guys going 144s. Um, Pan, the Chinese guy, has done that again this year. So it'll like, we'll start to see, you know, five, six, seven guys go 144 in these big time finals now, which we haven't seen for a long time or, or pretty much ever. But uh, when you've got a guy that can go 142, it's uh, pretty hard to back against him, huh? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I'm excited to watch him race. He's a superstar. He already is a superstar. He's a world record holder, but I think that superstardom could could get even bigger, and that's why I'm looking forward to seeing him over this year. Next year, does he start to develop that, <coughs> pardon me, legacy that a Chalmers and a Dressel have done? And I guess that sort of is that test um, to being a swimming superstar, right? Like everyone sort of rises and gets to that point. These are the names that have stayed at that point 
sustained it for a very long period of time. Um, and, and as you know, way better than I know, that's, that's a lot harder to do uh, than it is said. Um, if we move on, mate, to the women's 100 free, um, obviously from a, an Australian perspective, uh, Emma McKee and obviously the Olympic champion, but uh, at trials, which um, I know you would have seen, uh, Molly O uh, is on fire um, and, and she's just killing it. Obviously, she smashed it in the 200 as well. Um, there's obviously challenges around. The women's 100 free is always super, super hotly contested and sometimes you can almost throw a blanket over the finish and, um, you know, you'd, you'd touch at least six or seven of the swimmers. But from your perspective, um, what you know, what are you most looking forward to in the women's 100 free and, and do you see any uh, any other challenges for the for the Aussie girls? Did she win at trials, Molly? I, I, I wasn't sure after uh, watching the stream. Yeah, 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 I know, <laughs> I know. It wasn't expected. Uh, it was the 200, actually. It was the 200 where I caught the uh, the disappointment in the voice of, oh, Ariane's coming, she's coming. Anyway, don't get me started. And I love Ariane, I love Molly O, I love all of them. I just, I'm, all I'm saying is call what you see, boys. Call what you see. Don't let me know yeah. that you wanted Ariane to win because you had written down a great sentence about Ariane winning. All right. Anyway, Bobby, why did you do that? You did that on purpose. You, you did that on purpose. <laughs> but no, nah, look, Molly O, obviously, um, you know, she's establishing it similar to Popovici, mate. She's establishing herself now as just one of those big names on the world swimming stage that you, you can almost bank on her being in a final and, and being up there and being in and amongst it. She's obviously got to have the longevity of an Emma McKean and a Kate Campbell and Sarah Showstrom and these sort of uh, elite women at that top level and an Ariane who's now been up there in the 200 and the four for, for a long period of time. But um, I've been a big fan of hers as an age group swimmer coming through. That's why you heard her here first on Off the Block Swimming Podcast. By the way, when she was 15, nowhere else. I knew she was coming. Then again, you didn't have to be Nostradamus, mate. Just check Meet Mobile and she was just smashing every age group race uh, at Australian Championships. But for yourself, the Women's 100 free, uh, what are you most looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, Molly's coming in as world number one and, and obviously she beat Emma at, at trials in the 100 and she beat um, uh, Ariane Titmus in the 200 head-to-head. -head. So one thing that I've seen from from Molly is that she's not afraid to race these big names. She 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 actually wants to race them head-to-head. -head. She's got a great last turn, a huge kick on that last 50 and she can get her hand on the wall. She, she beat uh, Emma McKean at Com Games last year as well in the 100. So... She's not afraid of the big moment. She's world champion in the 100 free. Um, she got silver in the 200 last year in, uh, in Budapest, which was slightly disappointing for her, I, I, I think, um, coming in as world number one. So what I want to see from her now is coming in as, as the favourite, as the hunted. Um, now she's, you know, world number one. She's got some, some big international titles to her name. Now everybody's going to be coming from her for her, and can she handle that pressure? Can she handle that moment? Because she's not up against just just anybody. She's up against Emma McKeon, the Olympic champ. Siobhan Jorge is going under the radar in a huge way. She's swimming quick uh, already this year at Man Ostrom as well. Not at a trials meet, not at indoor pools with perfect circumstances like uh, for anyone that's done Man Ostrom. Like Siobhan's going fifty two point and one fifty five at. Ken A in Barcelona, which are 
which uh, uh, the the equivalent of uh, San Susi swimming pool, Robbie. So, um, Siobhan's prime for a big. And there's one. a big headwind in San Susi swimming pool, mate. There's a big headwind, so I know I know what you mean. Yes, fast fast fifties at San Susi. <laughs> nah, um, you know I, I feel like Siobhan's prime. She wasn't in Budapest last year. Uh, she had a good uh, short course world, so uh, she'll be she'll be ready for this one. Um, Emma will be always there, but. You know, coming into the back end of her career and what we've seen Bowley do is uh, this year is just a bit of experimenting and getting that taste for competition. Whether she wins or loses, it won't phase her because it's all about it's all about Paris. And then you've got uh, you've got the Americans that have gone fifty two point as well. Kate Douglas was a surprise, Abby Whitesell, but I don't imagine they're going to challenge um, that top three of Molly, Emma, and Siobhan. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be exciting racing um, for for all the you know listeners out there. Um, I'm pretty sure if you wanted to watch it, Bobby, do you know if you guys have a live stream? I know um, I've been pumping Channel Nine's um, obviously Nine Now app, and you can watch the live coverage. But obviously, you're commentating over there. Where, yeah. where do you get your where do you pick your feet up from? Do you know? Am I th- um, putting you under the good pump? Question. We do the uh, the host broadcast, so the world yeah. feed, as you mentioned before, for all the English speaking countries, um, and then countries can can buy the rights to uh, to get the the feed, so the pictures, and then yeah. produce their own commentary and production around that. So I know Channel Nine are, are, are commentating um, off tube, so like off the screen in uh, in Sydney or Melbourne, so back in Australia, which is um, which is difficult to do from a commentator's point of view. Yeah. Um, ours, I don't know if it's going to be replayed on YouTube um, or if there is a live stream. That there's no Fina TV anymore. Um, so I'll, I'll figure it out in the next couple of days as I get to Fukuoka for you. It's all right. I'll have a look around too. Um, but, yeah, there, there's definitely many ways to watch it. And I guess where I was going with this, with, with these um, mouth-watering sort of races and certainly getting into the finals, make sure you're getting around streaming it or, or wherever you can find it. Um, because there's going to be some great racing. Um, I want to move on to another sort of, I guess when we look through this list, mate, there's just a lot of battles, right? There's a lot of big battles that I'm excited for that I know you're excited for. Let's get to Kaylee versus Regan uh, in the in the backstroke. Yeah. Um, I guess for a while there, um, maybe for the last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, I might just be naive, but it looked like Regan Smith maybe wasn't going as well as she used to, as she once was, it was quite head to head for a little bit there. And Kaylee just kind of got off on her own for a little bit, not a long way off, but she was certainly the dominant. Well, Regan Smith had a, a phenomenal, you know, last year in terms of training and racing, obviously. And we saw what she did at, at the US trials. Uh, this certainly is far from what I've just explained. This is going to be very, very close head to head. It's on. Um, how excited are you to watch that battle uh, over in Fukuoka? Yeah, yeah, I'm pumped for the women's backstrokes because it's probably the first time now that we get to see a, a peak Kaylee McEwen and Regan Smith uh, fight it out, especially over that 100 and 200 metre distance. So, you know, Regan Smith, she broke the world records back in 2019 as a 17-year-old. Then, uh, you know, COVID and uh, Olympics, she got a few minor medals or she wasn't even in the 200 backstroke because uh, she didn't qualify at trials. So she's had obviously been thereabouts, but not in her best form and not winning world titles or Olympic titles, which, you know, when, when you're that good, that's that's essentially the expectation. 
Um, and I saw an interview with her recently where she talked about she struggled with that expectation and that pressure, um, you know, getting a little bit older and moving into her 20s and the, the disappointment of not winning those events she's been the world record holder in. Um, and her return to forms coincided with a move to Bob Bowman um, at Arizona State University. So no doubt Bob Bowman knows what he's doing. He's got a good stable of swimmers there at the moment. And uh, Regan's swimming as quick as she's ever swam, you know, 57 low in the 100, 203 in the 200. And she's also world number one in the 200 fly. So she's back in good form. Um, but she's Kaylee is she's the, the the women's equivalent of of Carl Chalmers when it comes to racing. You're like, you know, she's got both world records now. World record in the 200 back in season. She's got uh, the world title, the Olympic title. Sorry, she won short course worlds last year after the Americans pushed her. So she's she's a gnarly racer, and she picked up the 200 iron as well, which I'm interested to see what she can do in that one. But um, I just think both of these girls are going to push each other to a world record. It, it might take a world record to win both um, both events. I uh, maybe I've got my Australian hat on here, but I just <laughs> like the, the the training stories you hear from Kaylee, uh, her her record in big time finals. You can't go past the world record holder, Olympic champion, short course world champion. Like uh, I've I've got to pick Kaylee for both of these backstroke events. But would it surprise me if Regan Smith broke the world record and beat her. No, no, it wouldn't. And um, and again, similar to to what I just said about Emma McKeon, like these girls are coached by Michael Ball and Bob Bowman, probably the best Australian and American coach of the last twenty years. They know this is this is this is just to get a bit of competitive taste in the girls' mouths before next year. Arguably, whoever gets beaten this week next week if it's if it's the same winner in the 100 and 200 and the same silver medalist then that silver medalist is going to be damn motivated to to turn the tables in 12 months time so um similar to, to some other battles we'll talk about when it's this close this elite company head-to-head racing whether you're gold or silver this year it's it's nice and it'll get you a bit of publicity but um but i'd be wary wary of how that silver medalist uh, bounces back in the next 12 months because we're talking about the, the, the best backstrokers of all time or some of the best swimmers of all time. Mm. Uh, Motivation is a, a huge factor over this next 12 months. I think that's why you hit the nail on the head. That's why I keep talking about next year and I get just as excited about next year. I know it's 12 months away, but for that reason, you you just know what happens here is is only a part of the story about what's what's being written, right? It's just a chapter on that on that, um, you know, Paris 2024 book uh, that is being written. Um, mate, oh, obviously we mentioned there with Kaylee with the um, with the medley as well. I mean, technically, I'm pretty sure she goes 106 for 100 breaststroke. She's technically at the moment our fastest female breaststroker as well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's just a fact. So I'm excited to see that 200 medley. I think we didn't see it at the Olympics. That was the event that got dropped. If I'm not mistaken, if I put my yeah. two years ago hat back on, that was the event that that got dropped when she was, I think, going in ranked fastest or second fastest or whatever it was. She was red hot going into it, but they, you know, just for looking at the program in the week, they thought it was probably for the best. So, I think that's going to be uh, an exciting race as well to keep an eye on the 200 IM. Did I see Summer McIntosh isn't racing it? She dropped out of an event. Can you tell me more of yeah. that? 
Yeah, Summer's pulled out of the 200 IM where she's uh, world number one. Um, I, I can't remember what her exact lineup looks like this week in terms of day-to-day swims, but she'll do the um, 200 and 400 free, 200 fly and 400 IM, and she's a chance to win win gold medals in all of those, which mm. which we'll talk about later. But with the 200 IM, like, how insane is it that Kayla McEwen's Australia's number one hundred breaststroker, <laughs> yeah. like one hundred six. I mean, it's 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 quick. I mean, Lily King's going one hundred four. It's not world beating fast, but similar to what we see from like another IM like Leon Marchand on the men's side. He's world number one in the two hundred breasts. Uh, he's a world medalist in the two hundred fly as well. Um, you know, the, these IMers can just do it all. But Kaylee, she for whatever reason. Uh, she really likes to do the 200 IM. Um, she withdrew it from Tokyo and she wrapped up the goals in the backstroke events, which is which is the right decision for somebody at that level in their career. Like, you know, two golds is better than three silvers. One gold is better than three silvers. Like everybody wants that that title and that gold medal. Um, but now she's, uh, she, she's done that. She's got the world record. She wants to see what she can do in the 200 IM. And to be honest, like her 400 IM would be elite as well. It, it is elite. But doing two of those at the start of the week is just going to take too much too much out of her. And, and now Summer McIntosh has broken that world record as well. So, um, you know, the 200 IM is going to be good. Even without Summer, it's Kaylee and the two American girls, Kate Douglas and um, and Alex Welsh, who won the world title last year. But Kate Douglas is another one of these all-rounders, 100 free, 200 breast, short course uh, world champion, uh she can sprint free she can sprint fly she can do it all so i think douglas is probably the one to beat here um uh, this is probably her best event for for a gold she's in the 100 free in the 200 breaths but this is probably her best chance for a gold medal um alex walsh is defending world champ they're both on the olympic podium in silver and bronze and then you've got kaylee who I got? I think she got silver in Budapest last year as well, but she's she's a much improved swimmer this year. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Mate, let's get on to the women's 400 free because it's another one where I think everyone's just looking at the names coming into this and getting super excited about what sort of race and battle this is going to be. Obviously, we've got the world record holder coming in. We've got Summer McIntosh at the top of the pile there, 356.0. Earlier this year, she knocked that off, so she's coming in with red hot form. As you look down, obviously, we've got Ariane, got Katie Ledecky who's starting to get herself back into some red hot form as well. In terms of that 356, though, although, you know, those girls are are capable of getting around that time, um, Summer's coming in with the form of doing that time. So that's, I guess, what makes that super exciting. She's coming in as this, you know, about to be just an explosive superstar. 
to the world. So to you or I or all the swimming um, nutters out there that love swimming, we know what Summer McIntosh has been doing, but I think she's about to announce herself on the world stage. Just another one, obviously, um, for the New Zealand listeners out there, and I've had Erica Fairweather on the podcast quite a bit, um, and I know she does a little bit. They go down and train at the AIS. Uh, her and her coach go and see Shannon a little bit. Um, Shannon's mentioned it on the on the Shannon Rollison podcast. Um, she went four double in April, and she is on a trajectory of to keep improving, I believe, as well. So I think she's definitely um, maybe not this year, but I'm I'm tipping Erica Fairweather if if you want to put a sneaky wager on next year in Paris, I'm going to say she's going to be on the podium, maybe in a bronze medal. That's just a, there's a bold prediction for you, Bobby. Uh, obviously we've got um, Lani Pallister as well. Um, who's, who's going to be over there. And, and uh, we know what Lani can do. Um, she's, she's I've got a little bit. Uh, she's got a, her health back in order. Now she's starting to swim really, really well. Um, mate, this 400 freestyle for women's, uh, I can see this is going to be one. You, you're out of your chair already. You're going to be ready to go. You're going to be riding this one home. No matter who the winner is, it's going to be an exciting race. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a stacked field. Um, I mean, just touching on what you said about Erica Fairweather and, and similar to like Lani Pallister as well, they're, they're elite swimmers. They're, they're so good. They're, they're young. They're improving. But uh, in four minutes is a, is a wicked time in women's 400 freestyle. But you've got three girls that go 356. Like, it's just not fair. Uh, in another <laughs> era, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be just be so good and, and go down as one of the best of all time. But, um, you know, that's what makes this race so good is that we've got a peak Summer McIntosh, which is, is she 16 still? Is she even 17? Uh, broke the world record. Ariane Titmus essentially hasn't lost the 400 free since pre-2019. I mean, the, Le- the Olympic champ, the former world record holder, uh, she dominated summer at Com Games last year, but but a lot's changed in the last 12 months. And then you've got you've got the GOAT, you know, you've got the uh, the Roger Federer at the end of her career, Katie Ledecky, that um, since Tokyo has made moves to to get herself back on track, training in Florida, that's paid off. She's she's training with Bobby Fink with the uh, with the men's distance swimming team. Uh and it's surprising to see somebody coming into their into their fourth Olympic cycle that that is putting in more work than they've ever put in before. That wants to be back on top. So definitely don't discount the competitiveness of of Katie Ledecky and how much she wants this title back and this world record back. Um, she only went four minutes at US Trials, but she that was uh, underwhelming, of course. But she split the eight hundred in four oh one. So whether she was tired or whether she was holding something back. Like, I definitely think Ledecky's got 357 or better in her. I think Titmus has got, you know, she'll rise to the challenge. She'll be 356 high, 357 for sure. But as you mentioned, Summer's got the hot hand at the moment. Uh, the youthfulness, she won a couple of world titles last year uh, in the non-freestyle events. She's beaten Ledecky head-to-head short course last year. Uh, she's prime prime for this one. I think this could be summer's year. I think it'll be tight, but um, I don't think anyone's going to blow away Titmus and Ledecky. But I think summer can can walk away with the gold medal. Um, but again, this is all just this is just practice runs for next year. But um, this is going to be an, an awesome battle. Oh, mate! As I said, I'm I'm envious of you commentating it because you're going to be there and you're going to be watching. And that last 
50, I think it's going to be on. It's going to, it's not, the race isn't going to be known, I don't think. Um, and until maybe that last 50, last 25, you might see someone sneak just ahead, but it's going to be very, very close. Um, I note here too, mate, just because you were mentioning the uh, Chinese trials, Bingji Lee, 401. I mean, it's not 356, but um, do, do you know much about uh, Bingji Lee in terms of, I only mentioned, as I said, you sort of mentioned. Yeah. The Chinese were coming in swimming pretty fast off the back of their trials. Yeah, well, she's an Olympic bronze medalist, and um, uh, she smashed the short course world record last uh, last winter as well, taking a couple seconds off Titmus's uh, previous time. So she's in form. She's been there the last few years as well. Um, so definitely can't discount her. She she has broken four minutes long course if I if I'm not mistaken. Um, so she's in that elite company as well, but maybe just a little bit off. Um, those three that we talked about, and uh, and as we mentioned, the Chinese really taking that prep for Asian Games uh, more seriously. But could you imagine somebody like like Lee going three fifty eight and coming fourth, like <laughs> Eric going four minutes and coming fifth or sixth? Like it's uh, it's hard to comprehend. But um, that's that's uh, on the women's side of things. Next year's four hundred Olympic final is is the race of the century. Like that's. Uh, the men's 200 free from Athens like that's you've got you've got everybody in it you've got uh that's the the Federer and Nadal Djokovic uh three-way battle right there no mate absolutely as you said it's not even really fair to these girls who are improving and getting around that four minutes and 359 and and then you look and as you said they might get fourth or fifth and they've swum phenomenally but unfortunately um yeah the, that bar is is where summer mcintosh has put it and that's what the girls have got to reach for and uh, it's going to be an exciting race um let's sort of deviate from the 400 let's go up to the 800 you know do, does that change a little bit in terms of your mindset uh, obviously we saw katie ledecky um, swim really well at, at US trials, as you said. She's got herself in some form and she's starting to get back to maybe not exactly where she's going to be next year. I'm assuming that's her, her, her landing, you know, where she wants to land her plane for the Shannon Rollison podcast fans <laughs> out there. Um, she's coming in. She's going to want to do well here. Don't get me wrong. Um, but she's coming in hot. Uh, is Do we start to see the 800, 1500, I believe is just Katie's and and Katie's alone, but in the 800, what do you see here? Yeah, I mean, the, the longer it goes, the uh, the more dominant Katie Ledecky gets. So um, for sure, she's she's an unbackable favourite in the 8 and the 15. And I think in the 800, this is her like fifth or she's going for a fifth or sixth title in a row. And essentially, we've never seen her get beaten in, in the 8 or the 15 at world or Olympic level. So her, but again, just, just going on to her, I guess progression since Tokyo, she's she's swimming faster than she ever has in the last five years. She went eight oh seven at US trials, US Open record. Uh, I think it was her third fastest time um, ever. Considering this is somebody who did their PBs in twenty sixteen, uh, you know, won three Olympic titles in a row in this event. To be swimming that fast again is is a real testament to her longevity and the legacy that she's creating. And she's even said she wants to swim through to LA in 2028, which would just be uh which would just be insane. Um, you know, Ariane Titmus is still obviously super competitive in this event, Olympic silver medalist. Um, but with her, she swims down to the 200, where she's obviously the the Olympic champion, the 200 as well. So the 800s at the upper level of the distance that Titmus goes to, whereas for Ledecky, it's the 800 is still a sprint. So 
I think that's what makes the 400 so interesting is that everybody meets in the 400. Um, and if someone wanted to be a, a, a purely a distance freestyler, if she had no IM or butterfly ability, then then she's somebody that could challenge Ledecky. But with her, you know, she's almost wrapping up that 400 IM title um, and trying to make that event her own. And Titmus with the the two and the four, it, it just leaves Ledecky to be clearly dominant in those longer events. No, mate, 100%. Um, you touched on it, the 200, and that's where – uh, I think even the sprinters meet those middle distance swimmers. So you're going to have Molly O um, racing with with Ariane and um, Summer McIntosh is in the 200 as well. Yeah, yeah, she's so doing it. That's going to be, you know, <laughs> as I said, I, I I guess we're super fortunate here in Australia that we got to watch uh, Ariane and Molly O go head to head, and you know, I I joked about the commentary of it, but it was a close race and. I guess it was to some people maybe a little bit of a surprise that Molly O knocked the Olympic champion off in in that 200. Um, we're coming into world champs now, so we, we're getting you know sprinters meeting middle distance swimmers here in that 200. Uh, it's going to be another exciting race, mate. And, and I think some games, yeah. you know, there's always games to play, right, with those middle distance swimmers who can hold pace a little bit more and back end it where you've got your sprinters who are coming up who might be out a little bit faster and – the 200 is always just as exciting, I think, too, as, as the four. Yeah, this one, this one's going to be good because you get those uh, – well, you get Titmus and, and McIntosh that are going to do the, the 200. And, uh, and Molly O obviously comes up from the 100. So she's got the speed. Um, and, again, she beat Titmus head-to-head at trials. And I think she probably feels more comfortable racing Titmus because they train together at St. Peter's Western. So she probably knows – exactly what a race strategy and a race plan is going to be. Um, whereas now she's got to do that at the world level, which she, she faltered a little bit last year. Um, but no doubt that those three are, um, are favourites. But again, the one that I like is Siobhan Jorge from mm. Hong Kong. So she's a great racer. She's got 50 metre speed. She can swim up to the 400 as well. Like she ticks every box. And we haven't seen the best of her since Tokyo. So I think Siobhan is primed for a big world championships here. Not much is going to separate the medalists in the women's 100 and 200. I, I can tell you that. It's going to be – the podium's going to be separated by less than less than half a second. Um, but, yeah, uh, you can't discount Titmus. Uh, Siobhan wants her turn at, at the gold medal and, and you've got Molly O. Um, and and Ledecky won't swim it, but there's a host of young American swimmers that are going 155s. And, and again, what's their trajectory over the next 12 months and, and can they dip into that? 154 or we're even talking like 153s now to, to get on podiums. <laughs> um, what Ledecky and Titmus has done is just really, really elevate the level of mid-distance and distance swimming in the world, in women's swimming. Uh, you, you don't have an option but to be aiming for 154s and sub-four minutes in those events if you want to be on uh, world and Olympic podiums. Um, you know, 10 years ago, those times were just would be would be laughed at but now that's that's what it requires to be to be competitive yeah no they're definitely raising the bar these girls and um one thing i noticed from trials just um just as a an observation which i, I guess you're going to get to see firsthand molio's skills her underwaters have really i think really really improved to the point where in the finals at trials i that was one of the big differences off that last turn she pushed and I can't remember how many kicks, but she really nailed that last underwater. She came out ahead 
um, or if not right next to, but I, I believe in from my memory it was just ahead. But it was it was the skill areas that were vastly improved. So um, if you're looking at it and you're going to we'll get to watch that final, mate, I, I'm going to put my hand, I reckon that last turn, you'll see a, a, a great execution of skills and uh and that'll put her right in the right frame to to drive home that last 50 so uh even though yeah, she's she's got the 100 i get you know she's fast 100 but her back end in the 100 is her key uh i think the yeah. back end in in the 200 is gonna she's gonna drive that home as well it's just there's yeah. my bold prediction too bobby just chucking it out there you know she's the uh she's a backstroke you know so she's got that underwater ability um she's world class in, in the sprint backstroke events as well but just uh you know, I can't fit that into the schedule at the world level with the amount of relays and mixed relays that they have these days. But um, no doubt the skills is where she she's better at than uh, than her competitors. But we've seen, you know, Ledecky's trying to pick up her underwater work and and um, and Titmus's turns are, are world-class in the 400 as well. But, um, you know, look, Molly ticks every box. She's like a 24-5, 50 freestyler as well. A 208, 200 backstroker. Like, it's... Uh, it's incredible. Um, she's a world champ. She's a Commonwealth champ. Uh, the only thing left for her to do is deliver against elite company at this level, at the world level and at the Olympic level and do that time after time. Like we saw it took Emma McKeon seven or eight years to be able to do that, yeah. um, but she did it when it mattered most. Uh, so Molly definitely has that potential. She ticks every box, but, you know, we need to see that her to sort of steal up her temperament to keep her emotions in check, um, to deliver in, in, in relays and, and over eight days continuously. And that's what will put her up into that elite, elite company. But she, you know, she's got the times on the board. She's a great head to head racer and she's only 19. Um, so we could be start starting to see the, the, the beginning of another, you know, all time, um, great, uh, mid distance or, or sprint mid distance freestyle for Australia. Yeah, no, well said, mate, 100%. And um, that's what I think is so exciting about swimming at the moment. I mentioned this to um, to Shannon on, on the Shannon Rollison podcast, David Clark, we had who you know really well, the stat guru for swimming. Um, we mentioned about obviously how exciting it is because we've got, <coughs> pardon me, the rise of these stars coming through. We've also got these uh, swimming legends that are still there and they're not going anywhere and they don't want to, leave on beaten terms they want to go out on top so we're about to get this collision uh, uh which is is super exciting of the youngsters coming through wanting to etch their name uh up in lights for a long long time as swimming legends but they're also got swimming legends that they need to knock off to to do that um which as i said just keeps making it more and more exciting another potential yeah. Just on that, like, uh, I mean, I've been commentating for, for five or six years now and, you know, even in the 400 free when, when Ledecky used to just dominate it, like, to me as a swimming fan and obviously as the races get longer, like, it's not that exciting uh, yeah. to see how much somebody can win by or how fast can, can a woman go in freestyle. Uh, I want to see races. Uh, I want to see close yeah. racing. It doesn't matter if it's the world final or if it's, the under 12 final at, uh, you know, state age or something like this. Uh, I just want to see close racing. And that's when you see people's skills and their competitiveness and their uh, execution under pressure come through things that, that make them a champion. So the fact that Ledecky has been challenged and, and beaten, that's what draws eyes to it. Mm. When she was winning, obviously it's great. 
Um, but, you know, with Phelps, we remember what, – what do we remember about Phelps? Obviously, the amount of medals that, he want, that he's got, but all the challenges that came at Phelps, Kavik, Lochte, Chad, everybody, he, yeah. he, whether he lost once or twice, he came back and he knocked them off and he won the, the ones that mattered the most. That's, you know, Thorpey as well. That's what made it exciting and that's why we hold those guys in, in uh, that higher-up echelon. So mm. uh, I, I, I want to see more swimmers come through. I want close races. I want challenges, and and now with as swimming gets more professional and a little bit more money involved, we see those big name swimmers, Dressel and Adam P and everybody go maybe longer in their career than they did than swimmers did ten or fifteen years ago. They're going to three or four Olympics, yeah, but they're vulnerable. So that's what makes it fun. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think we you know we sort of touched on it with David Popovici and obviously Summer McIntosh is in that realm there, and and Molly O and. And these young swimmers coming through, Leon Marchant, which we're, which we're about to get to in a second with Leon, um, is your names like your Chalmers and your Dressels and your Emma McKeons and your Katie Ledeckis have been there. They've done that. They've been beaten a little bit, but they've come back and they've won and they've, they've held their consistency over a long period of time, right, where these young swimmers, um, it might seem like to them they have for a long period of time because they've been there for, what, one or two years now at, in terms of being at that, that top level and they've come along and, and now, you know, world record holders or, or world champions or Olympic champions. Um, but it's that long period of time and, and sustainability, which the other, you know, swimming legends have done where these are, are rising stars. Who am I to talk? But that's just, you know, how I'm seeing it. And that's, I guess, why I'm more excited about, as I said, the collision of all of this this year and then in 2024 in Paris, um, which brings me, mate, to Leon. Uh, Leon Marchand, Marchand. Um, I always feel like I just don't get that quite right because I'm not French enough. Um, but <laughs> obviously training with Bob um, and, and who better to train with if you're looking to, to create history and, and, and dominate in many different events and, um, and certainly at a top level. You mentioned it before, the versatility that he has and he's doing it in many different events at a, at a high level. How excited are you to get to, to watch him uh, over in Fukuoka and, and see what he can deliver? Oh, pumped, pumped to see what Marshawn can do uh, uh, this year. Uh, last year probably took a lot of, well, took me off guard and surprised a lot of people, him going 404 in that 400 IM in Budapest uh, on night, on the first night of finals there, which, which was just uh electric like it just lit up the whole arena um and it's sort of i've been talking about the rise of these european male swimmers over the last few years and last year you know we've got milak marshawn popovich and uh thomas check on the, the italian hunter back world record holder like the european men are you know stronger than the u.s men arguably in a lot of events we've seen italy beat the u.s in a lot of men's relays as well which again just makes it exciting so, Marshawn, like, and what he did in yards this year as well, which I don't have a great understanding of, but when you start destroying Ryan Lochte and Chase Kalish sort of American records by two, three, and four seconds, like, that gets pretty damn impressive. Um, and he can breaststroke. He's, a, he's well, number one in the 200 breaststroke. He's, he's been one second quicker than Zach Stubble. He cooked this year in the 200 breaststroke. Just, just try and think about that for a second. Um, as well as his butterfly and freestyle ability. So this guy's got it all. He goes 15 metres off every single wall. Um, he's with Bob, which just 
obviously Bob's got all that experience and you just know that that they're going to get this prep right. They're going to get the next 12 months right. Going into a home Olympics, like he's going to be a massive superstar. And uh, the Michael Phelps world record in the 400 IM is uh, his only long individual long course world record left. And it's the oldest world record on the books at 15 years from, from Beijing. It, I think it might be the oldest of all time, the longest standing world record of all time. Mm. Um, 4.0.3.8, it's an incredible swim, but I think Marshawn gets that this year. I, I just think he's he's got to be at least one second better than he was last year. He's got a much improved back and breaststroke split. Um, you know, if we could be looking at somebody approach get down into the low four minutes for for a men's 400 iron which is which is absolutely ridiculous but uh you know i think i called it last year in that final he had a 107 breaststroke split or 109 breaststroke split in the 400 iron uh that's uh that's just a little bit silly so uh <laughs> can't wait to see him race um you know without Milak in the 200 fly i think he'll be a gold medal favourite. I, I don't have him winning that race, but it, he'll be right there in the turn of fly. Uh, I think he'll dominate the IMs. I don't think uh, Carson Foster can match him in the 200 IM. And um, he's entered in the 200 breaststroke, which which the news coming out uh, leading into the world chances that he's not going to swim the men's 200 breasts. Obviously, Zach is the world record holder, Olympic champ, world champ, mm. um, but a little bit off his best in the last 12 months. Uh, I'm interested to see if Bob and Marshawn think that they will swim this in Fukuoka. Will he win it? And what does that mean for the next 12 months? Like looking at a guy that's got four individual events, four legitimate chances at, at gold medals at world and Olympic level. Uh, uh, we haven't seen dominance like that on the men's side from a non-American, maybe, maybe ever. Yeah, it's, well, that's, <clears throat> pardon me i was gonna ask you i mean we're not inside bob's brain but is this do you think you know this would be looked at as a, a rehearsal slash trial for next year's olympics because obviously for leon next year is going to be a, a lot of added pressure because it's he's going to be the man it's he's going to be the star yeah. he's going to be up in lights he's going to be uh the mega star <clears throat> he's going to have a lot of events there's going to be a lot of pressure which no doubt as we said He's, he's in the right hands in terms of dealing with that. <clears throat> Do you think world champs here in terms of the program, the 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 work rate that he's going to have to go through this week to get up and race and recover and up and race and recover and warm up? And Do you think that's going to be looked at maybe as as a bit of a, a, a guide as to, in terms of, okay, well, let's let's have a big week here and, and you're going to give everything yeah. you've got. But at the end of this, we're going to recalibrate and look at what we got right what we could do better because next year, obviously, uh, not only is the program still going to be massive, but now the pressure is going to pile on just that little bit more. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Full full dress rehearsal this week for for Marshawn. Uh, you know, with Bob and with what he did with Phelps, you look at Phelps's best world champs were that year before the Olympics, uh, two thousand three Barcelona. 2007 in Melbourne, that was a full dress rehearsal for Beijing where he went seven for seven in Melbourne and eight for eight in Beijing. And even 2011, which uh, was, was, a, was a good world champs for Phelps uh, leading, into, leading into London when he was still obviously training full-time. So um, it's, a, it's a full dress rehearsal and they'll wait and see what works, what doesn't work. So 
same for you know Kaylee McEwen and any Michael Bold trained swimmer. It's it's all how much can we can we bite off this year? And if it doesn't work, that's okay, and we'll figure it out next year. So I think with Marshawn's two hundred breaststroke, this the semi of the two hundred breasts occurs like less than thirty minutes before the final of the men's two hundred IM. Mm. So that's that's the one where I think they've originally said that he won't do the two hundred breasts at this level, but he's just so good at it. So I think they'll do it in Fukuoka and see how tired does that make him. Can he still be dominant on a second swim of the night in these two hundred meter events? Exactly what Phelps did. Um, and make that call next year. Um, but because he's so dominant in the 400 IM and that occurs day one of the world champs now, it's not day eight like it used to be. Mm. When you can come in, rip out a big swim, essentially be a lock for a gold medal, that just lets you have fun for the rest of the week. So um, uh, there, there's nothing, really nothing to lose for the rest of the week. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see Marshawn do the tournament breast this year. I hope he does do it. And then um, they've got bigger decisions to make next year. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be exciting, mate. And I want to, obviously, we, we could talk forever because we, you know, and no disrespect to a lot of the other strokes. I know we've sort of touched on a bit more freestyle here, but uh, it's more, we, we more wanted to look at some of the matchups and, and some of the big names that we knew people were going to be excited to, to watch race. Um, the men's 1500 freestyle in Australia has been, uh, or certainly, I mean, back in my swimming fandom as I was coming up, that was sort of Australia's in the men's events. That was Australia's event uh, over a period of time. I, I think Australia switched its mindset a little bit more sprint dominated and orientated. Obviously, um, we had um, Jack McLaughlin um, doing a really good job and, and Mac Horton. We've got a youngster coming through in Sam Short uh, who's who's doing phenomenal things and, and just going from strength to strength. And he loves it. He's a competitor. I was fortunate enough to, to I guess, um, witness some of his training over a year. I'd take no credit. All I did was call a time and get a rate, which, to be fair, he already sort of roughly knew what rate it was anyway, so he didn't even really need me. Um, Bobby Fink, obviously, uh, world uh, Olympic champion um, and, and swimming really well. Um, are you excited to watch this race? I know in terms of the 1500, if someone blows out early, it can be quite a, um, I'm assuming, a uh, challenging task, Bobby, to commentate an event where someone's blown out. You've got to start coming up with some jokes and uh, coming up with some one-liners and little bit tidbits here and there. This race, I think, will be a lot closer than people think. Uh, and obviously, you know the European swimmers very well as well. Um, do, how, how do you see the men's 1500? Is it, is it going to be uh, fairly black and white or do you think it could come down to that last sort of 200 and shifting of gears? Oh, anything anything but black and white, these uh, men's <laughs> races now. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm a distance swimmer at heart, so I know the work that they've put in. I know the race strategies and, and the form on the board. So I love, absolutely love commentating uh, essentially since 2018 the men's 800 and 1500. Um, and there's just so many players now that are so good. Uh, leading into Tokyo, it was all um, the Europeans. Uh, I think in Guangzhou 2019, it was a whole European final in the in the 1500 free. Um, and that was when we saw Pauchineri starting to come back. Walbrock was uh, establishing dominance. And, you know, Walbrock's just won the 5 and the 10K at, at Worlds in the open water. So, like, those guys are just 
purely the best endurance freestylers in the world. Uh, Misha Ramanchuk's not far behind them as well, but he seems to be always the bridesmaid. Then obviously we saw that that breakout performance from Bobby Fink at, in Tokyo, winning both of those, upsetting that European contingent um, to take double Olympic gold. And then last year, Fink wins the 800, um, but but doesn't win the 1500 with, uh, you know, Paltrinari bouncing back to form the win from, from lane eight. So this has got it all. But what we haven't seen in these events is an Australian even in the final of the uh, at the world level in the men's eight, the men's 15 for a long time. Uh, you know, Matt Corden was, was doing it. Then he obviously specialised in the four. Tommy Neal's come through. He's more specialising in the two and the four and the IMs. But Sam Short, I, I've never met him, but he seems like a real distance swimmer at heart. He loves the work. I've heard some of the training he's been putting together and um, his performances in the last 12 months have just been incredible from somebody so young still. So I think if he can stay healthy and injury-free, he's going to put together a big body of work to, to challenge in this event. He's been 1440 or 1442, mm-hmm. which is great, but you've got about five guys in the world going sub-1435, which yep. is uh, Grant Hackett territory. Uh, you know, they're approaching Sun Yang's world record as well, which which everybody wants to see that one go down. So um, I think Sam Short can can be thereabouts and put in a, put an Aussie in the 1500 final again. Mm. Um, I'm going to back Walbrock. I think he's just too – I think he's just, he's just the best distance swimmer. He doesn't always win the 800 or the 1500, but I think he's the best distance swimmer in the world. Um, in the 800 – I think Bobby Fink's performance at US Trials was good. He's starting to to front end these races a little bit more after getting caught out from Pouchinari last year. So he's starting to go out harder to see if he's still got that massive last 50. So the 800 might be an area where Bobby Fink can can establish a, or can hang with the leaders and still have that finishing kick. But Shorty's Sam Short's 740 at Trials was uh, I mean that's that's insanely fast. Uh, so I think I think Short's going to be better at the 400 and the 800 um, rather than the 15, which again, with the 800 being an Olympic distance, now gives everyone a little bit more options and you specialise yeah. in this and I'll specialise in that. But, um, you know, I think he goes in as a medal favourite in those in the 400 and the 800. I've got him winning the 400. I just think as a racer um, and, as, and as somebody with the complete package, I, I think he can beat. Uh, Elijah and Lucas Martins and Kieran Smith, I think they're going to be the challenges there. But I just think he's put in a good body of work and I, I think this is his time to announce himself on that world world stage. But I, I think the company in the, in the 1500 is just too great for him. Mm. Uh, mate, it's going to be... It's going to be sort of exciting and tough for Sam. Obviously, he's been uh, thereabouts on the Aussie team, but this is probably his first sort of big... Um, world stage type event. So, you know, there could be things that go right for him. There could be things that he learns from again. I think, again, I just keep coming back to 2024 for these young swimmers and especially Sam. I think that's where he's going to even grow and and be faster and bigger and stronger. And this experience is going to be phenomenal for him. Again, just a little tout from us. You heard him here first on Off The Block Swimming Podcast when he was like 15, 16. So the other ones that jump on board when they're already starting to do well, well done. But it's not that hard to get someone who's already on the world stage and you can see it. We're bringing these stars to you. So hopefully um, these 
The listeners are off the blocks. And the reason I, I've always tried to do that, Bobby, and we're going to start doing that again soon with people like Olivia Wunsch here in, Australia, in New South Wales and some great superstar swimmers coming through in the age group, is so the listeners, when they see them on TV for the first time, they go, oh, I know this kid. I know this swimmer. We can get behind our athletes. And um, back when, you know, you and I were fans of swimming and, I mean, you were a great swimmer yourself. So I was more still just always a fan. You're a fan and a swimmer at the same time. But, you know, there was there was personalities and we were getting behind our swimmers and we always felt like, you know, they were, you know, sort of our mates that we, you know, we never really spoke to, but, you know, we always wanted to see them do well. And um, so hopefully with the podcast, we've given people great insights to the Molly O's, to the Sam Shorts, um, to, you know, um, yeah. Jenna, Jenna Forrester as well, who, who's on the team. So, and, and we've had her on when she was younger coming through and, and that's the reason we did it. So you guys knew they were coming. You could get behind them and, um, I'm excited to see these guys do really well. I'm excited this year. I'm excited for again for next year. And um, but yeah, no, for Sam, um, can't wait. Yeah, well, that's you know credit to you, Robbie. That's what you've always done well with with off the blocks and probably essentially how it started is getting on these uh, these younger swimmers, identifying them, and knowing that that every swimmer has a story behind the story. You know, and then now when we see them go so well on the international stage every swimmer still has a family that supported them since they were 10 years old they mm. they they got the grind of getting up at 5 a.m in the morning uh doing the distance work or doing all the lactate sprint work they've got coaches former coaches age group coaches uh which, which everybody needs to get their get their credit and know their 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 part in that swimmer's journey so i think uncovering that before they get onto the big stage is is uh you know, definitely something that your podcast does uh, better than anybody else's. So keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Bobby. And as I said, look, I'm not saying I'm a genius because all you have to do is look at Australian age championships and and go through Meet Mobile and you can see some of these phenomenal results at times where these breakout 15-year-olds that are that is winning everything and, and breaking age group records. Um, um, you know, they're, they're definitely... Um, Flynn Southam, that's the name. I was trying to think of his bloody name. <laughs> Flynn Southam, I've been talking with Flynn um, just on, on Instagram and DMing each other and back and forth for, for a long time, for a long time. Um, and and he's look at how well he's going now. Yeah. Again, it's not Nostradamus here. Flynn Southam's been a, a great age group swimmer for a long time, coming through, knocking off Thorpe's records and Kyle Chalmers' records. Um, but, again, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to make sure that the greater um, – population of, of especially the swimming audience when Flynn Southam first came on your screen you were like oh we know this guy we, we, we've heard about this guy this guy's really good yeah. so um, I, I'm proud of that I want to continue to do that I mean I love talking to Ariane and Emma McKeon and Kaylee and Zach W. Cook and Adam Pedy and these guys they're all fantastic but Channel 9, Channel 7 everyone picks them up all the other podcasts pick them up as well you've heard their story a thousand times um, I love talking to them too. They're, they're great, great people. But um, I, I also, you know, one thing I really love is giving the listeners that insight into who's coming through and um, who to look out for. And again, as I said, so you get a sense of, um, you know, you're on that journey with them. So I'm excited for all these young swimmers coming through um, for, for world champs. Um, as we touched on with Sam, obviously, 
um, did a little bit of work with him for a year with um, obviously Richard Slight was the head coach and he gave me all the programs. So again, I'm not saying a program for Sam Short. I just got lucky enough to stand on there on a Wednesday morning on the 1500 sets and, and give some rates and give some times and get to watch uh, the Ferrari in action. So um, I'm excited to see him do well. I'm really proud of uh, what he's doing now, but also I think what he's about to go on and do in the future. So very, very excited, Bobby. Now, listen, before we, we're going to wrap it up here in a second, tie it in a bow. Have we missed anything? Is there anything that you've, you've got that you're excited about that maybe we haven't touched on? I'm not, you're a swimming nutter. I know there's definitely things that we haven't touched touched on that you you've got in your little black book that you're going to bring out on commentary. Yeah, I'm excited to see Cam McAvoy race, uh, 50 flying, 53. Obviously, his story in the last couple of months has uh, been well publicised. But, um, you know, I just had a few chats with Cam about nine months ago, uh, just a bit of mentoring, and uh, he sort of reached out and, and just uh, asked for somebody who, who, similar to my career, um, the back end of your career in your late 20s and you want to try something new and you want to take ownership of your own training, what should he do and where should he go? And um, he's made all the right decisions. Um, he's taken full accountability of his workload um, and specialising in those 50s with uh, with my former coach, Tim Lane. And 21-2 at trials was just insane. Um, I, I, I think he should be really excited to just see what he can do at this level again. He, he's been there for 10 or 12 years, but not really focusing or ever specialising in the 50. So mm. I think this is fun. Um, I think you'd be a dark horse in the 50 fly as well. There's a few big names missing. So um, that one to, to kick off the week could be a good uh, confidence booster for Cam. And um, and again, it's just all practice for, for Paris next year, which would be his fourth Olympics. So um, just from a fan and a, and a friend point of view, looking, looking forward to seeing Cam McAvoy throw down in his 50s. Well, mate, absolutely. Yes, you called it 2127. Uh, I think Ben Proud's been 21-3, but that was last year. Um, so not discounting 21-3. It's still very fast. But, I mean, in terms of form, we talked about Summer McIntosh just coming in with a hot hand. Cam set that 21-2, you know, in June. So he, he's coming in in that sort of form. Ryan held uh, in his trials 21-5. That was pretty quick uh, as well. Obviously, Flo Manadu 21-5 yeah. in June as well. So it's, you know... You, we talk about throw the blanket over him. It's definitely going to be good luck on that commentary, Bobby. By the way, <laughs> you're definitely going to be waiting for the waiting for the replay. <laughs> no, uh, these fifties, um, uh, I mean the fifty-three. Obviously, proud of Manadu will be right there. Um, hmm. The experience and and again, these guys are just building for next. I think we're saying a little bit too much, but um, proud's defending world champ. We know Flo's been there many times before. So uh, it just comes down to execution. All four 50s on the men's side in these finals, like a couple of 10 separates first to last. Without Dressel there, uh, no one essentially dominates any of these 50s. No Dressel, no PD. Like the, the gold medal, the podium is, is completely up for grabs. So, uh, you know, I think we'll see some, some new names um, in there as well. But the one that we haven't talked about and no one's really talked about Leading into the 53s, Jordan Crooks. I mean, he's the second fastest swimmer behind Dressel in yards. Uh, short course world champ, incredible underwaters, but he's never broken 22 long course. But he hasn't he, he hasn't raced long course a whole lot. So he's somebody that might jump in and just go like 21.5 in the heat and get better. Mm. Uh, I, I think he's got he's a guy that he's got to go 
21.5. Like he's he's 20.1 or something short course, 20.2. It's insane. So uh, Crooks for me is uh, the dark horse in the men's 53. Good pick up, Bobby. See, this is why we work well. Mate, you are on the ball. He's not even in my top 20. I've got a list here for the listeners, you know. Makes me sound like I'm a genius, but I'm not really. Um, all the commentators and, and especially at the top level always get given these folders and books. And Swimming Stats, by the way, I want to give credit to Swimming Stats, which I think is a swim swam um you know, a page off of Swim Swam. So I want to give credit to them because they've done the projection, uh, projected list for world champs, which gives us a bit of info and, and background. They do a great job with all the their stats that they do. So I always look to them and um, for a bit of uh, help and, and stats. But, yeah, he, he's not even in my top 20. So well done, Bobby, mate. This is why you get the big bucks. This is why you're on that big stage. Um, and, again, yeah, uh, well done to Cam. And I'm really looking forward to that. Just as you said, the longevity and – um, just knowing what goes in just to not only swimming and, and being an elite athlete, but as you get older, life, you know, what comes along with that, with your relationships, with your work, with money, with with travel, with all these different things that factor into it. It's easy when you're 18, 19, 20, you're getting funding, you're living with mum and life's a bit more rosy as you get older, bigger challenges and other challenges come along. So um, definitely showing, um, as Flo Manor doing, a lot of the men's sprinters, um, and female sprinters are doing, mate, showing that at an older age you can you can still do it. It's just a matter of do you want yeah. to and, and how can you manage it? Yeah, well, you know, we've seen that with uh, with, with Anthony Irvin winning in Rio at 30. Was, was he not 36, was he? It was 36. Uh, and Roland Schumann's racing uh, next week as well. In yes, we, we talked about that on the channel. Yeah, David Clark said, David yeah. Clark brought it up, and I think this is his, like, third decade or something in terms of being in, in a world championship event. And he's yeah, been, I, mean, I think he's been 10 years since the last time he raced at an event yeah. like this or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good friends with Roland from, from doing World Cups and travelling with him through the US and whatnot. And, I mean... When I was coming through my early twenties, like he was the old guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was like thirty, you know, when I'm like twenty one, twenty two, and, and yeah. now he's he's made a comeback. So he raced in Fukuoka twenty years twenty two years ago. I, I think he raced at like ninety eight Com Games. He, he raced in Sydney two thousand. Like the uh, the stories and the experience that this guy has uh, is incredible. No, I don't think he's going to make finals and win medals and whatnot. But just to get back there. At, 42 or 43 and um show that you can take care of your body and uh and and get the most out of yourself at that age is uh is pretty inspiring yeah i made 100 percent. well done to them well done to them all um congratulations to everyone obviously who made the teams and they're over there and they're getting ready and they've already sort of been over there swimming so the world champs in general have already started but the swimming portion of the world champs kicks off i think on the 23rd so bob mate you better get on that plane soon i tell you what um, we're gonna get over there. Kicks off on the twenty third. Hey, yeah, tonight and uh, it, it kicks off. Uh, kicks off Sunday, so it's only a one hour time difference to uh to Australia. So hopefully, pretty easy for everybody to watch. And um, I know the Aussie teams in Japan. They've been there for the last ten days or so, and yeah. I think they're uh heading to Fukuoka on Friday. As I said, I do want to plug Bobby's live streams and stuff. And how can you listen to? Because I know what a great job. Um, he does, unfortunately, Bobby, we don't know, but I do know that you can catch it on nine now. I do know that it's being live streamed from Sunday the 23rd 
on nine now. Um, so make sure if you've got the app, jump on it. And as I said, if, if we can try and get some info, I'll, I'll put it up on Instagram as well for Bobby's live feed. Um, cause that's what I always do in, enjoy listening to. No offense to the commentators. Yeah. Um, that's just the one I, that's my go-to. Um, well, so, it's not Bobby's live feed. It's the world aquatics. Live no, it's feed, Bobby's so. live feed. That's I what I call it. My wife says, what are you listening to? I say, oh, Bobby's live feed. <laughs> I'm not sitting there on my, my phone. One-minute comment. So, oh, that's cold. There's something uh, in that, Bobby. We're going to start it. It's called Bobby's live feed. We're going to start it. It's going to be an off-the-blocks initiative. Yeah. <laughs> Might not pay as much as World Aquatics, <laughs> but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Let's make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do reviews with you. I, I did enjoy that in Tokyo. You know, if we don't want to do a quick wrap-up after every finals, if you've got the time, then uh, then let's get it done because, uh, you know, after finals, it finishes late at night. You get back to the hotel after dinner and I'm still I'm still fired up. Like I, still I was going to say, I know what you're like. You're always buzzing, I can tell. Yeah. you. Even after a few other meets where you've seen me, you're like, hey, do you want to do, do a quick review? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, – I'm heading home. You're like, oh, I'm just – I've got all this, these uh, these thoughts and ideas and I can see it in you. So, I, no, I definitely get it. We'll definitely, we'll, we'll touch base. And if we can't coordinate it time-wise anyway, for the listeners out there, we'll definitely do a review yeah. at the end of the week anyway when Bobby gets to um, get back and settle down and we'll do a, a bit of a review. But if we can do some impromptu stuff, for sure, I'd love it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let me know. Bobby's live feed. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to manifest it to happen. Um, now, yeah, as I said, don't forget if you want to watch – um, catch it on nine now. Starts on the twenty third. Good luck to all the Australian swimmers. Good luck to everyone. But obviously, I'm an Aussie, so good luck to the Aussie team, Bobby. Good luck to you. Obviously, have a great commentary over there. Enjoy it. Lap it up. I know you will. I don't even need to say it. As I said, I can already tell how excited you are to get over there. And that's not me just making shit up to go. Oh, look, he's trying to pump him up. Anyone that knows Bobby knows Bobby's very excited to actually get over there and get to watch this racing. I'm very jealous, mate. Enjoy it. Um, have a great time over there in Fukuoka. Enjoy the racing. Good luck to everyone. And for all the listeners out there, um, thank you for joining us off the Block Swim podcast. We are coming back, doing more interviews. We're bringing everything back again. So getting really excited about that. Happy to kick it all off with you, Bobby, again. Uh, had a great time with you two years ago on the podcast. And yet again, we could talk forever because, um, you know, we j it just worked, Bobby. It just worked. So, mate, good luck, eh? Cheers. Thanks, Robbie. And uh, looking forward to Fukuoka and we'll, we'll chat soon. Definitely. See you later, guys. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. I just wanna...